0: Now what? Things have changed, the market's tough. I'm sure you can understand why our beloved parent company, Warner Brothers, has decided to make a sequel to the trilogy. What? They informed me they're gonna do it with or without us. I thought they couldn't do that. (sighs) Oh, they can. And they made it clear they'll kill our contract if we don't cooperate. Really? I know you said the story was over for you, but... That's the thing about stories. They never really end, do they? We're still telling the same stories we've always told, just with different names, different faces. And I have to say I'm kind of excited. After all these years, to be going back to where it all started. Back to the Matrix. Hello, everyone,
1: and welcome to another AT&WB podcast. I'm your host, Chris Booker-Taylor, and I'm here joined because we're doing a Matrix episode today. We're going to be talking about the fourth Resurrections, as it's called, the fourth Matrix movie with our, again, I always say lover, not expert. We don't want to call ourselves experts because I'm sure we'll get comments being like, you messed up with this. So we're both lovers, not experts. But lover of Matrix um, mythology, of meta-Matrix mythology, is the Matrix himself, Matt
0: Vacari. Hi, Matt. Thank you. Thank you for having <laughs> me. I appreciate you giving the disclaimer that <laughs> we're can't, you can't be an expert of this movie. I mean, I think it's, it's meant to have multiple interpretations. Even with the Wachowskis' intent, there's always going to be uh, interpretations that can diverge from their intent.
1: For sure. And I always love diverging from the intent and coming up with new theories for films. Like I have a theory for the 500 Days of Summer movie where it's like, it's like this, what we're actually seeing at one point is like actual reality. And then a lot of the movies actually just in his head, which isn't true, but like you can, you can view the movie that way, which would be kind of neat.
0: You can enjoy the movie in a different way.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or, like, you know, there's there's always those, like, dark, like, things where they say, like, that, uh, well, there's, like, the Rugrats one where it's, like, where it's, like, Chucky actually died at childbirth. And, like, uh, and instead of his mom. And then these are all, like, his, like, demons. Like... I love
0: the darker interpretations of such <laughs> yeah. innocent shows. Yeah. Because, I yeah. mean, obviously, when you're a kid, you take that show for face value. But when you're an adult, you always assume the possibility of some, some darker intent for sure. A little adult tongue in cheek stuff, but actually that, I I mean the whole like diverging from expectations is, is actually a big part of the fourth film, I think.
1: Oh, for sure. And, and I think like heading straight into expectations, but then also like breaking them down because I, I mean, okay. So between matrix three and now four, well, it's been almost 20 years. It's like 18 years, something like that.
0: Yeah, they called and, it 20 years. They're, they're like marketing it as like the 20 year return or something, but it's literally only been like 18 years.
1: Yeah, and, and uh, the movie actually, uh, so in the timeline of the Matrix and of the real world within the movie, the Matrix, it's 60 years. Yeah. Which is really cool. Um, and then, and then, our current Neo has been living within the Matrix for twenty years, I want to say, and um, he has created his own video game within the Matrix called The Matrix, based off of the first three stories, the first three movies.
0: Right? It they are based off of his like subconscious memory from the original 3 films the original trilogy and now the matrix i don't i don't know if we're allowed to get spoilery
1: oh this is going to be a spoiler episode let's get as spoilery as possible and let's try to break it down cuz there was some really weird stuff they did which is like you know, they've full on referenced the other movies this again this is this is the only i was going to say this is a no this is the only Warner Brothers podcast so they actually referenced Warner Brothers at one point, which is nuts. Yeah,
0: um, There's a lot of sort of like, I guess generally we would call it just meta, meta script writing happening in this film. And then there's a lot of callbacks and pop and even almost sort of like fourth wall breaking uh, occurrences in the film. It, it's interesting because a lot of the time, and I think that's happening because of how the studio approached Lana to make the film. Right. And I think after the third movie had finished, the Wachowskis had decided to put the franchise to bed. And then 20 years later, you know, there's a, there's a resurgence of people really appreciating uh, sequel films because it's, it's comforting, right? People love a sequel story. They love coming back to something that uh, is nostalgic to them. And I think the studio's, I think that there's a quote even somewhere that said that the studio's basically held a gun to Lana's head and said, if you, we're going to make this movie with, with or without you. So of course she wanted to make the film with her own vision and story. And they, she throws WB under the bus, calling them out during the film, which I thought was interesting. And there is a little, like, I guess you'd call it an Easter egg. It's totally unrelated to the film, but one of the main protagonists, Bugs, she even calls out, that it's short for Bugs Bunny. So it's just another WB property That's, I mean, hanging see, out.
1: Yeah, right. That's that like the immediately when she's called Bugs, because I think it's like one of the first things that you hear in the movie too. You just hear two what people her, talking
0: like, first early on lines.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You hear these two people talking and it's Bugs and then it's her like tanker dozer, really like the guy who does all the coding, um, that lives in the real world. And they're both talking back and forth with each other and like she yeah he says bugs and i was like huh that's definitely yeah 100% a reference i think that's okay. really great though it's like little yeah. a little biting the hand that feeds but um in uh, i think in you know in a way that makes it um i'm not going to like not that like acceptable, but a, a way that makes it like more fun. I think and and very just meta. I like again the meta context in this movie. I think is like really interesting.
0: Yeah, I I, I agree. I think the meta stuff is fun, especially for people who are long term appreciators of the film. But people, it's like yourself who are also follow WB in general and the film industry as a whole. I think it's a lot more fun, but I think for the, just the general viewer, it seems that the the consensus is it was like annoying. <laughs> they didn't necessarily <laughs> appreciate all the meta sort of jet, like ribbing happening at the studio's expense. But I, I thought it was fun.
1: Yeah. I mean, because I, it plays
0: I, into the film
1: for sure yeah and and the matrix movies have always like been about like rebooting and uh, like and rebooting the term comes from computer like uh, computers and so like the like
0: that's a fair point
1: right and so like the whole idea of like we learn in the matrix reloaded that i think it this like the the neo and the trinity that we have and the matrix that we have in that um and those movies is like the seventh sixth or seventh like version of everything. That's right. Yeah. There's so been like
0: seven other iterations of Neo also.
1: Yeah. So like we, we've just, we fit the seventh and now like the eighth in a way, even though like they explain throughout this movie, because uh, Neil Patrick Harris does talk a lot throughout the film and, uh, he does explain like he's the one that resurrected uh, Neo. Like he took his, uh, I guess, dead body and like, re- like brought him back to life. Like rewrote his code, essentially.
0: Yeah, I think what well, in the film, the reasoning they brought him back is because they, the Matrix, was better with him than without him. It was, and they also explain in the film that it wasn't just Neo that was needed. It, they needed Neo and Trinity. But yeah. not together, but separate. It was their 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 misery of being separated that was actually generating more energy for the uh, for the matrix as a whole.
1: Yeah, for the for the for the robots. For, the for robots.
0: some, I, I think the one thing that wasn't necessarily explained was how the analyst discovers this information. I mean, maybe he's that's it's just in the name. He just figured it out by. he noticed it he analyzed all the data (laughs)
1: quote-unquote yeah so that's what neil patrick harris was right the the analyst yeah and and to get back to lana wakowski real quick and warner brothers uh there was rumors like for like 10 years that michael b jordan was going to play young morpheus in a prequel matrix film and that was like the longest running rumor about what they were going to do and like it seems like when a rumor is like rumored long enough on the internet that like whoever the newer execs are in charge, they just look at the internet and they're like, well, this is what is rumored. So I guess let's do this. So I, like, I wouldn't be surprised if they like had cast um, uh, young Morpheus already. And then she was like, wait, hold on. I will do the movie. Let me do it. I will integrate like a young Morpheus into it. I have an idea for that. And let's bring back, like, let's bring back the original Neo and the original Trinity. And then, like, and yeah, and they bring back some more characters, too. And a character that I would have never expected to come back comes back, which I think is really wild. I don't know if you know who I'm talking
0: about. I'm going to assume you're talking about the Merovingian.
1: No, but like. Because I was
0: surprised to see him, frankly. I didn't. But it was an interesting callback yeah um, he was definitely
1: talking- the audience or like the critics like making fun of reboots when like all the stuff that he was yelling like he's like oh, yeah. why are you doing this again you know stuff like that
0: yeah yeah that's fair maybe yeah. Nairobi Niobe?
1: Um, though Niobe was great Jada Pinkett Smith they definitely yep. I mean she would probably because it's 60 years later so if she's like 20 in the original uh, movies she's then
0: pushing 80
1: yeah she's pushing 80 there easily and then the, the other character, the other um, uh, that from Matrix Revolution, is it Revolutions? Revolution. I should know sh- that.
0: I think it's plural.
1: Yeah. And Resurrections is plural as well. Reloaded. And ma- Matrixes. <laughs> yeah. They never once used Matrixes. Um, I like all the R words. I like that they found a new R word for the new one. because, like, and they I think... never
0: actually used the word reboot. In, in the, the titles, titles, at least
1: yeah 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 very very important um
0: but wait so who's the character that that i didn't maybe i didn't i noticed but didn't think twice about for some reason
1: well they um the the character was sati and that was oh
0: yeah well they gave that away in the trailer and i thought that was so interesting but maybe you avoided all
1: i might have avoided yeah i think i watched like the teaser of the teaser trailer or the first trailer and then i stayed away but it's i mean that's amazing she was the little girl from the original matrix movie that when he wakes up she's like standing over him and yep. now now she's basically like the oracle to a degree um not really but like i mean i think her character like represents what the oracle would have been in this movie if that makes sense right
0: because in this film the oracle actually is like has been deleted and removed from the matrix but apparently so is the architect right and i think they were the uh like the opposite, the opposing forces in the last three films to, of that particular caliber, the Oracle and the Architect, they're just gone now. So now it's the yeah, Asati. I think has sort of inherited that role, but though I don't think she's necessarily an Oracle style character, right? I don't think she was. She though actually that's not true. She did kind of have like a crystal ball sort of uh, premonitory, uh, like visions, right? Yeah.
1: One of my favorite things was so she had a she had a good um, like robot and it and it was like shaped like a like a falcon or like a phoenix. And it was really cool.
0: How did you feel about the human like the the friendly robot aspect? I get that sort of like an evolution of the universe. Right. And that some of the robots. There was like a war between the two different warring factions. Of the robot world and and then some of them went over to the human side to aid the humans and I don't know if I loved that to be honest I thought it came off a little like I don't know maybe a little gimmicky to me but I, don't, I, would, I would have, have never it. I don't know if I loved it
1: I would have never thought about doing like good robots in a matrix movie so I thought that was just like interesting and I kept thinking the entire time like well they're robots so are they actually gonna like turn evil like secretly like actually be bad and like i mean
0: that would be a genius robot move right and that's sort of like the terminator style of robot is to convince people that you're good so you can get inside far enough yeah i don't know assassinate whoever's at top at at the top of the the food chain on the human's side (laughs) yeah but obviously that wasn't the choice they were following but but yeah so she's uh, Sati is um, represented by a robot falcon that can fly around in the in the real world as she visits the new human city of Io to to meet Neo for the first time since leaving Resurrect or since leaving uh the third film. Yeah. Uh, and who was her father? Her father was was a programmer right and he was programming i forget what code he was working on in the third set maybe second and third films
1: um oh i'm not sure but yeah she she references her father a bunch in in this movie specifically
0: yeah now i'm trying to remember what he did
1: i don't i don't remember
0: I don't know if it even has like any significance, but she does mention him. So,
1: yeah. And then I think there's also um, a character with Niobe that's from Matrix uh, Revolutions as well. And okay. uh, I don't remember that she's 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 in young makeup or old makeup as well.
0: I was trying to see how many. Returning cast members there were. Uh, And then something interesting to me, and I don't think there's any canonical crossover, but there's Mm -hmm. a lot of actors and actresses from uh, the other Wachowskis property, right? Sensate. Sensate that make an appearance. Yeah, I, I
1: I only saw the first few episodes of Sensei, so I don't I don't remember any of those actors at all. But um, do, can can you point out like was it just all her friends? Um, I'm gonna or- be
0: honest, my partner Lauren, she was a more of a fan of Sensei. She watched every episode, including the final like fan funded film,
1: yeah, special or something
0: special, and uh, she was the one who pointed it out to me. So I just thought that was interesting. Lana, I think Lana had a, an awesome time making those films and I think it was also the final special or film that she made for Sensei was sort of like um for the fans because it got kind of canceled prematurely by Netflix. Yeah. And now this was just like another maybe just another thank you to the fans or even another thank you to the to the cast by getting them involved in another film.
1: Oh, for sure. I mean, and I mean, you're friends with all those people, right? You're doing these projects with them for so long. And like, yeah. I mean, even I saw Tom Twiker, is that how you say his name? The run Lola one run director who has been working with the Wachowskis for a while now. Oh, See, that's like, right. His name love... was in the credits for the, for this new matrix movie.
0: Supposedly some of the other executives in the organization that Neo slash Thomas Anderson worked at in the film were, People that are worked in the original three movies, someone that were like cinematographers or CGI artists and uh, like the person who plays Chad, Tiffany slash Trinity's husband is her real husband. Oh, wow. Life. And not only that, she's all or he, excuse me, Chad, because real life is the Matrix is his real name in real life. (laughs) And he's also the original stunt double for Neo in the original Matrix. Wow. And he's the now current director of all the John Wick films.
1: I was. Wait, what's his name again?
0: I got to look it up now.
1: His last name said it was Chad. Chad, was that it? It's like Chad yeah. Strahesky or something.
0: I think it's something like that. Yeah. Chad Stahelski. Stahelski. And I yeah. might be pronouncing that wrong, but yeah. He was mm-hmm. a, a film director, stunt coordinator and actor now, but he's, he's did uh, John yeah, he's, Wick. He's, he's huge now. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think he just, um, uh, didn't he do
0: uh Deadpool too? Or. Oh, that I'm not sure. I, Think you? I think he is involved, but I'm kind of digging around on his IMDb, but yeah. I, I haven't seen it yet. But I think it's interesting that there is almost even like a John Wick crossover happening there. Oh, for of. sure.
1: Yeah, and I think uh, John Wick. I mean, you know, uh, like again, the, you have the stunt coordinator or stunt slash stunt double from the Matrix movies, then making those John Wick movies. They're they're very still intertwined you have Lawrence yeah. Fishburne in the second John Wick movie right I think he's just in right. the second. I yeah. think you're right yeah yeah so yeah like yeah there there's there's a commonality there like kind of like an Indiana Jones and Star Wars yeah. like like connection in a way um oh, man, which,
0: there's so many different directions I want to take this conversation I was just looking online earlier about how people are comparing uh this new matrix film resurrections to the last jedi
1: and i think that's apropos in that there is a force dyad in this movie between trinity and neo and like this so the Force dyad is between ben solo and ray mm. in in the sequel trilogy and um and i think to a degree there's like a connection between luke and leia as well but that's um, more of a uh, like a like a um, like a sibling connection they have through the force, but they can talk to each other through the force, Luke and Leia. Like we don't, we don't talk about that enough as fans. I feel like, like yeah. they legit feel each other and talk to each other through the force. It's interesting. So then you have Ray and Ben doing that in the sequel trilogy. And yeah, it's a force dyad. They're like more powerful together. They can, um, they can do all this stuff like together. And that's a very much what Neo and Trinity is, but also what Neo and agent Smith are. Cause their coding gets intertwined in the first movie at the end of the original matrix. So their, their code becomes almost one in the same. And uh, that kind of does carry on into this movie when they pick up on the agent Smith here.
0: Yeah, totally. And I mean, what I, after first watching the film, some of that, I was kind of still figuring it out. And then I went back and I read some articles and some reviews and watched some videos and, Had a chance to kind of think about it more, and I think that's I when Thomas Anderson, before he realizes he's Neo again, is sitting in his office programming the Matrix within the Matrix, or at least his memory of the Matrix. The new property that Warner Brothers, you know, the parent company of whatever company he's working at, yeah, wants him to be working on is called Binary. And, he's, <laughs> and he hates the fact that he's working on this. I mean, at least he seems miserable making it. He's not interested yeah. in it. And that's a callback to so many other things, at least supposedly, right? Having to do, do with like uh, the character arcs themselves, choice and things like uh, even sexuality, right? And I know oh, that's, definitely. that's a huge thing, at least in, involving the first film. I think uh, the Wachowskis said that it's, it involves like sexual identity. The first film, right?
1: Yeah, it's 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 someone about the trans experience and yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, ha- having to choose and and do binary as a project and not be able to focus on like your your own self and um like who you who like your truest self and your truest form inside. And again, like there's the character switch in um the original Matrix movie. That was going to be, I think, a man in the Matrix and a woman in the real world. And they decided that they like, I think Warner Brothers felt uneasy about that back then. So, you know, 22 years ago, they didn't do that. Uh, but um, that, you know, the first movie very much is, is like a, is a is all about the trans experience in a way.
0: Yeah. And that carries through. I don't know if it was there so much in the original sequels. But I think it kind of holds a little bit more so now because I think in this film Lana wanted to take back like the whole red pill dialogue, right? Had it been kind of been taken over by some right wing extremists, yeah? Red all, pilling right. is was uh, something that she didn't quite enjoy, right? There's like a there's a tweet story that went out about how like what Elon Musk tweet tweeted like take the red pill, and then some other politician followed up yeah like agreeing with him and she replied to both of them saying just fuck you both
1: yeah i think it was her sister but yeah same same thing the other was Wachowski. it okay yeah
0: i thought it was lana
1: yeah but um yeah that that um so the yeah the red pill the blue pill are definitely a lot more prominent throughout this movie i'd say the first act young morpheus is really prominent too because i think um like neo like creates morpheus
0: yeah it, and it's like a, his subconscious remembers this person morpheus and he codes him into his his game
1: and so i basically i think whatever he encodes into his game actually gets encoded into what he's in like the universe of the matrix yeah. as well
0: that's what he's referring to as the modal the modal matrix, or whatever, right? Or it's mm-hmm. like it's a modal program. That just means it's like a it's a program within a program, or yeah. a, a game within a game, or a,
1: oh, that makes sense.
0: Something within something, and yeah. um, and so, bug, and I forget her counterpart's name in those scenes. Would jack into the game, so they could find. So I guess I don't know what they were looking for clues to find Anderson or Neo. And they stumbled upon this person that reminded them of Morpheus, and they were able to pull him out of the game. And it turned out he actually had been coded to be Morpheus.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, so then, in a way, Neo is the architect.
0: He's like the he's the architect within the, the the world itself, or he's the new the new god, so to speak. Yeah. He's a godlike figure, at least.
1: Yeah, And, and, and they like obviously
0: they... wanted him to not know that. They've been trying to repress those memories and his abilities for now 60 years or whatever.
1: Yeah. I have, like, there's a character named Sequoia and there's a character named Jude. I forget who's who.
0: Well, they, Sequoia was the long name, right? It was short and they refer to them as uh, Seek.
1: I think I so. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I think Seek was the, the, the new like... Um, person who was always like on the like on the tanker radio. tanker yeah. dozer right yeah, or think, link
1: link in the sequels
0: i think you're right yeah
1: yeah yeah um and then there was function as well probably again probably all people from sense eight i'm assuming all the people on the <laughs> every ship other the person world. that you
0: don't recognize <laughs> is from sense eight <laughs> yeah actually well, to, to go back to to morpheus i wanted to get your opinion on how you felt they handled the character because I think some people were upset that they didn't include Lawrence Fishburne in the new film. But I think a lot of people don't realize that the video games are considered canonical. And in one of the video games, it was the MMO. Yeah,
1: online, just Matrix Online. Matrix
0: Online. The character was killed off.
1: Yeah. And I think like there was like. You know, you could go to, like, when it happened and, like, I don't know if they had a funeral for him. I think that happened in the game as well. I think there
0: was, like, an in-game vigil or something.
1: Yeah. So, uh, but the
0: servers are all gone. It's like you can't, or new fans can't go back and experience that stuff. So they did have a moment where they explained he was, I think they even said he was a set. I don't know. They just said he died or he was assassinated in the new Well, film. They,
1: they, they show that he became, like, the mayor of Zion, basically. <laughs> the mayor
0: yeah, he, yeah. <laughs> he was elected to some high power he was like yeah. the high council the highest
1: something. yeah yeah he was on the high, he was the highest of the council the highest mayor do you see a statue of him which is really cool you see you I mean you see archive footage throughout this movie and that might have been like one of my like tiny complaints was like i didn't like if someone's gonna see this movie they're gonna watch the first three i would assume first and like you, you want to watch them all at once so i don't need like i don't need um in like the force awakens for you to cut back to like something that happened real quickly in a new hope. Like I, I know that that happened. It was in the other movie. You don't need to keep cutting back to it.
0: They used the scene. I thought it was an interesting plot device to use the original footage from, from the films. And uh... I think sometimes it worked really well. Like when,
1: um, when uh, like the new agent Smith laughed and they would cut to like the other agent Smith for a moment, the Hugo mm-hmm. leaving one. Mm-hmm. I, I actually like wish they they
0: really cool. used Hugo weaving, but they kind of like were able to dance around why some characters don't look like their original selves. Right? There was the whole like yeah. RSI DSI thing, digital self image versus like I forget what the other acronym stands for. It's like represented self image.
1: It always made me wonder why in the in like the sequels why Morpheus didn't make himself look a little skinnier when he went into the Matrix. <laughs>
0: yeah that's right this is how you see yourself in the matrix but i don't know
1: yeah i still got that gut i still but got that going for me
0: in the new matrix he is skinnier
1: it's true It's very true
0: or at least that's how neo remembered him.
1: yeah i mean All i thought,
0: wanted him to look i don't know
1: i thought jonathan groff did a good job with what i mean they didn't give him that much to do but um i think as that agent smith character that was that was fun it was fun to see that happen again yeah and the little twist in the characters is interesting like i'm saying they are also a force dyad like agent smith and neo so
0: yeah. right they one can't exist without the other and and this is and it goes back to all the, all the original films and that's there's like this holy trinity of characters and it's supposedly it's it's a neo trinity and agent smith and they sort of create this three way yin yang effect where they all have to exist they have they can't exist without each other
1: yeah yeah and then yaha abdul Mateen the second he was morpheus he was also uh dr manhattan in the Watchmen hbo series yeah that's right which i love that series so much i bring it up on every episode because i think it's like one of the greatest things ever just like how Damon Lindelof put that all together. He was great in that. So I can see how the higher ups at Warner Brothers, HBO, you know, it's all all in alphabet soup. Like the Warner Brothers company is all alphabets. So it's WB, DC, HBO, uh, CW. Well, they just own the W part of that, but everything they do are initials. And uh, so the HBO part was like, look, we got this guy. He's really good as Dr. Manhattan. And then, uh, you know, over in the movies they're like oh let's make him morpheus like kind of i mean there is the a
0: striking realm. resemblance to young Lawrence fishburne i'll i'll say i mean it's very similar the facial features even yeah. the skin the way his skin looks like the how it's sort of like has a it's a has like pock marks in it like Lawrence fishburne does
1: yeah that's really true yeah he he was he was incredible i thought he was just phenomenal in the role and again i i, I would have loved more morpheus um it's cool because he's he's a code, so he's not real anymore. So, when they show when they go to the real world, they can actually do the thing where like all these little micro chip, like what, what would you call nanobots? Them? I guess Na- yeah, nanobots come and they kind of form like his his form. So you can actually see Morpheus in the real world,
0: even though he's not actually alive. That's right. Uh, Bug was trying to explain that you can pull out a code. Now, because they can form what, like, yeah, human shaped, I don't know, uh, avatars using these nanobots that just kind of hover around. That's sort of interesting. I just thought, I, I liked in the second and third film how Agent Smith was actually able to inhabit a human body somehow. Mm-hmm. That technology or how that happened is never explained. <laughs> it's sort of glossed over how he's able to do that. And,
1: they go, and then he changes
0: yeah so yeah because he i forget oh bane yeah he becomes bane or he inhabits bane's body it's almost like um uh, uh i forget the word but anyway that yeah, that doesn't ever get ex- talked about at all and also neo ab- being able to use the his powers in the real world that also kind of gets kind of brushed under the rug yeah as well
1: and in this too, because um, you know, he can fly at the end of the first movie, and then um the second and the third, I don't know if they really deal with his flying too much. I guess he does it, but a lot of times he's just like kind of stuck on the ground because there's too many Agent Smiths on top of him. So the second can't and third,
0: I think he was he's flying as he, much more than the second, or excuse me, the first film because he had like developed his abilities, yeah, or had been developing his abilities. Like there's that scene where Trinity is falling from the top of that that skyscraper firing to like Mac tens at a, at an agent falling towards her firing a gun. And Neo knows if she falls and she dies, like, I don't know, he won't be able to go on or something. Right. He told the architect, I I'd rather leave and try and save Trinity. than t- then reboot the whole matrix and lose her. Yeah. So he, that's the moment, like he's flying, like almost at the speed of light it looks like right to catch her. And he's leaving behind him like a, like a, trail of destruction because his his like g forces or whatever are just destroying everything yeah like cars are just
1: flipping up behind him and stuff.
0: But But so by the fourth film, supposedly because he's been like in mental anguish for 60 years he and without realizing who he really was, he's forgotten a lot of his abilities. Mm-hmm. so when he tries to fly away he's unable to
1: yeah and the movie kind of builds up to uh like the idea of flying and uh um the the idea of jumping off the building um which the leap they of
0: faith right yeah
1: yeah which they they did they did in real life in this movie too um, like they jumped uh, off a building like it's actually it's actually Carrie and Moss and Keanu Reeves and I think they did like four or five takes of them jumping off the building together because like like you know a year ago it was all over Reddit they're like are those actually them or the stunt doubles but it was actually them doing this doing this trick all the because like again the first movie had a lot of practical effects in it you know and then the second and third goes crazy with the cg i, I mean i i like it it's it's yeah. fun but it's a lot of cg i think this movie um maybe she just had like maybe lana just had in her head and chad you know they both had in their head for a while like oh this is what i want to do um with this movie and like you know for like the last 18 years of like i like if i ever want to do it again i want to do this yeah. and they were able to do that and they seemed like Again, not everything's practical, but a lot of stuff seems more practical than uh, the second and third. And to a degree, um, this movie seems like feels a little smaller than the second and third movies.
0: It kind of comes back down to earth a little bit, right? It doesn't that by the second and third film, it's spiraling further and further outward with the sentinels attacking this. The, um, Zion, Zion, and yeah, they reeled it. They're back. all able to fly around everywhere, and the, every door can lead to a potential portal. It's like it gets a little like mind floody. You're like you're losing yeah. track of what exactly and if you is watch, happening. If you
1: play Enter the Matrix, then there's like vampires as well.
0: Oh boy, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I totally forgot about that.
1: <laughs> yeah, and uh, which I did. I re I replayed Enter the Matrix in the last year, and it was it was a lot of fun. It's a very buggy game. But what's so cool if you watch? Um, maybe that's intentional. Yeah, maybe. Yeah if if you um if you watch the animatrix short the, the first one, the final flight of the Osiris.
0: That's a great one. Yeah.
1: That whole the whole little short is a buildup of this woman. Um, she's delivering. She 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 has this package, and she has to um she has to deliver it to Zion. She can't get there in time. So she dives into the matrix. She jacks in, which they never used that that term, that terminology in the fourth movie. But that was huge. Remember when the first movie came out? Like, are you going to jack into the matrix? It's like, yeah, right. uh, internet culture killed that term.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh,
1: yeah. Do you want to dock into the matrix? Nope, nope, no thank you. You have to Urban Dictionary docking for that one to make sense. Uh, so the final flight of the Osiris. So she's in the Matrix and she leaves this like this thing in a mailbox. And then in Enter the Matrix, you're Niobe and Ghost. And so you can choose to be one of the two of them. And um, so Niobe and Ghost sneak into the post office. And that's the first level as you sneak into the post office and you have to grab the, Steven You have to get this message. Yeah, you have to get this message. And then um, you deliver it to neo and morpheus and trinity and then and that's in the that's in matrix reloaded that they deliver that to them and that's like a plot point in the film and then you're in the source so then you fight in the source for a while and uh yeah and then the and then the game ends with like the um trailer for the third movie kind of kind of like how um Oh, was it Captain America, the winter, or sorry, Captain America, the first Avenger ends with like this, this cheap little trailer they made for Avengers. Right. Exact that's, same way.
0: that's how every Marvel property has been for a long time, but it's always like it ends with a stinger that leads into the next film. Yeah. And I guess Wachowski's did it too.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, back to the future too. Right. I mean, it's a little trailer. Oh yeah. It's, it's all easy.
0: been, they've all, it's been done forever. As long as they knew there was going to be, they're going into the film knowing there was going to be a sequel that'd be the little surprise for the audience at the end of the first the, film, the
1: potential for a sequel. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. I uh, had a thought I was trying, I'm trying to remember what it was. Sorry, yeah. No, no, no. It was some, oh, we were talking about how things have kind of like the filming style may have changed a bit for the fourth film and right. Things yeah. have kind of got, got grounded a little bit more. And I was reading an interesting point online about how, how do you, improve upon a sci-fi film that has sort of set the bar, right? It's it's become this uh like a cultural or societal phenomenon, not just for the content of the film, but by the how the film was made and shot and edited. It yeah it changed how people look at sci-fi films or at least these style of sci-fi films going forward. So they're like, how do we recapture lightning in a bottle for a fourth time? And I think they made <laughs> they made the right choice to not try and go bigger. Like, yeah. To bring it down to earth a little bit more was, I yeah. think, a smart, smart move.
1: There's that family guy joke about how each consecutive Jaws movie is just bigger Jaws. Like, what are we right. going to do? Just bigger Jaws, I guess. I don't know. And yeah, I like that they went smaller. And I think what's really, like you said, the Matrix was like, like set the bar, set the standard in 1999 for the future of cinema, and a lot of people were actually expecting uh, the Phantom Menace to do that. Star Wars Episode One, because it was 1999, and it turned out that uh, both kind of both movies did set bars, and then further on, Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship set a ton more bars. But like the Matrix was there um, at the beginning of all of this, and. There are so many. What I love about the beginning of this movie is that there. So there, you have Bugs and you have her friend, was it Seek, and and they're they're looking down. I think it's like the for some reason the robots are replaying over and over again this little bit of the Matrix game that like Neo created and it's the beginning of the first movie. So this movie actually starts with the beginning of the first movie. And the thing that has been parodied and redone over and over again from the beginning of the first movie is Trinity's little, like when she gets up and she's like in midair and then the camera like pans around her when it, she's like frozen in midair and she's doing that, like, and um, like that grasshopper type of. Yeah. Like swan's stance.
0: kick or something. Yeah. I she's
1: yeah and that's been i mean that's in shrek that's in kung pao enter the fist like that's in like commercials that's in that was in that was in everything and i love very intentionally i feel like lana chose not to include that kick that exact moment in this when they're redoing that scene which i think is cool and that was so confusing to watch when you're starting this movie because you have you're like oh we're we're this is where the first movie started as well this is kind of weird like what's happening and then you're like oh is this footage from the original movie but they redid the footage cuz it's a new actor playing trinity because it's not trinity it's it's neo thomas anderson's like what his unconscious memory of what yep. she looks like which she then references later at when she's tiffany too neo to thomas anderson she's like like why does this woman in your game look so much like me like do you think that do, do you think that
0: Which is also a strange point to make, right? Because the whole, and I mentioned this before about how like nobody's avatar looks exactly how they remember, at least in the matrix. Yeah. Right. That's how they get away with not featuring uh, original actors in the new film. Yeah. Because Trinity slash Tiffany When she looks in the mirror, she sees herself. But when other people look at her, she looks like a different person. And you see that briefly while they're sitting and having drinks at the cafe. Uh, Tom looks down at the surface of the table, which is reflective. And it's a different person sitting across the table from him. And it's not what it's not Tiffany slash Trinity. Well, it's Tiffany, but it's not Trinity. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's it's like it's Trinity is code. But her skin her appearance is a, is is a skin different. she's wearing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally. Which sounds creepy if you don't know the term skin in games. <laughs> yeah, she's stuff.
0: wearing someone else's <laughs> skin suit,
1: flesh yeah. suit. Yeah. Welcome the welcome the silence of the lambs podcast. And
0: that's the reason why, and I forget this character's name, but it was like Thomas Anderson's right-hand man at the company when they were sitting at the cafe and he noticed Neo looking at Trinity from across the cafe. I think he was so confident in introducing the two because he knew he would not actually... He's not actually recognizing her, not able to actually recognize her.
1: Yeah. Yeah, That makes sense.
0: I saw an interesting uh, reference to the Truman Show also. That character, whose name (laughs) escapes me right now, it's uh, Thomas Anderson's, again, right-hand man, was sort of like Jim Carrey's best friend in the Truman Show. He's just there to act as a friend but continually lead him astray oh
1: definitely that's like 100% what the character was for you're right yeah
0: and also this is goes back to something else we were talking about we we're talking about how like the the movie you know how do you capitalize or how do you remake a film that's so um such like a part of just like our conscious like our co- collective consciousness at this point that's becomes like parts of like our meme culture and things like that. And it's been overly politicized. And they even, re- they reference referenced that in the film when they're all sitting at that round table talking about how they should make the next game. Yeah. Right. They even mentioned bullet time.
1: Which, which um, the, uh, the analyst mentions as well, because that's how he thwarts um, Neo is, he, I guess he writes code into the matrix where um, it slows down everything around neo so everything else goes in the bullet time except for neo
0: yeah it's something like that right he's able to like tap into the deja vu cat code utilize the bug in the the bug in the matrix to like encapsulate the bullet time or something you know yeah yeah so which but would you watch it again. Do you think there's still stuff to uncover in this film? And do you think there's going to be more matrix to come after this?
1: I, I would hope there's more.
0: Um, Like you mentioned to me, there is a, what a unity game engine trailer, right? Or right. Was that unity or was that? um,
1: I think it's unreal. Unreal Unreal engine
0: trailer. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it's, it's playable. It's a playable trailer. It's called the matrix experience. I think if you have a PlayStation five, or Xbox Series X, you can play it. And uh, the game starts in live action. And I think once you go through the mirror, um, you go into the new Unreal Engine, I guess six, Unreal Engine six, maybe? Five. Five, okay, 12? Um, yeah, whatever, whatever the Unreal Engine is, then rate us that many stars on, on uh, Apple Music. Thank you. <laughs> on iTunes. And um,
0: I just looked it up. Yeah, It's available for PS five and Xbox series X or S, but not for PC.
1: It's really not for PC. That's so That's disappointing. Annoying. I thought you can get it for like a 3080 card or something.
0: And not that I can tell right now, at least, but it, it, I saw it. I mean, there, obviously I think there's a chance there can be a continuation if not in film form, but as a, as a video game. Yeah. That, that I mean, the, the experience, the Unreal Engine Five experience, looks like amazingly good. It looks so good. Yeah. So yeah, if they can keep the Matrix universe alive that way, I'd be interested to to keep up with it and play with it.
1: Right. I think uh, a, a new game would be really interesting. I don't think they need to make a five and six or like a fifth one. Well,
0: they didn't even necessarily need to make a fourth, right? But yeah, I guess there's a contractual obligation that was written into her her original contract or something is that what it is well I don't know that's the one thing that's the one bit of news I haven't been able to find yet I'm sure it was
1: just like we have the rights to this we're gonna make it ourselves and then she was like wait hold on can I come back and and do it myself and they're like yeah go for it and then and then and because you have to remember too, like like that AT and T when they took over Warner Brothers, they uh they, you can tell that they were very forward in like whatever intellectual property we have, we want to reboot it and we want to make new of it, so we want to keep it going. So like we got more Looney Tunes, you know, we got a Tom and Jerry movie, we got Scoob the yep. movie, like um they they base jam. Yeah, we got the new Space Jam. We got new Sopranos. We got new Sex and the City. That's true. Know. And yeah. they
0: talk. They talk about this in the Matrix. Everything's is nostalgia now. Nostalgia sells. Yes. Yeah, right. And it's just it's is it nauseating or is it appreciated? Well, I, there's no nothing original anymore because it's if, all art is derivative, right? And that's what they're ta- that's sort of what they're referencing in this film.
1: Yeah, and if you, if you think of the word nostalgia and where it comes from, I learned this a while ago. And I think it's really interesting, but it was, it used to be a negative term. Nostalgia It was the same thing as like dementia. You know, it's this idea of you are thinking back on your childhood lovingly, but it's gone. You need to move on. It's unhealthy to focus on it. And hundreds, like 200 years ago, 100, 150 years ago, that was what they thought of as nostalgia was like, Oh, you're just like thinking of like when you used to live in your small town, And like as a kid.
0: When I say it's like wearing rose colored glasses or something.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, but like, you know, throughout I feel like our um our existence, uh nostalgia, I I always call it 90s nostalgia when I think back on like 90s things. Uh like that is
0: our nostalgia,
1: yeah, for sure. Um, and I think that has become um, you know they found, they found a way to weaponize it and then to make money off of it. But at the same time, I like in the nineties you had our parents generation who grew up on the Adams family and who grew up on the Brady bunch. And then they went and made their nostalgia movies. And that's why in the nineties, we got uh, like a reboot of the Brady bunch and we got a reboot of the Adams family. And they did that with, I mean, the fugitive, you know, um, like there was a tons of stuff mission impossible that was rebooted in the nineties for that specific generation. And I think they didn't perfect it back then, but they figured out how to do it. And I think now through Marvel and through like star Wars. And I mean, I, I would argue through this movie, they they figured out how to do it correctly.
0: Right. Well, whether or not it's correct or not, it doesn't matter because they figured out that it's great business.
1: Yeah. Because yeah. Because it, it
0: definitely pays.
1: I think the correct thing in in this realm uh, for this movie specifically is giving it to Lana and just letting her do what she wants to do and allowing her to bite the hand that feeds and not giving them notes for that unless they liked that Warner Brothers was referenced in the movie or maybe that was studio mandated. You need one reference to WB. I don't know how you're going to do it.
0: Yeah, I it mean out. that's interesting. I mean, I think it's sort of like the policy that all even like bad news is good news or any news is good news, right? Just get Put our name out there. That's fine. They know who this property is owned by.
1: Yeah. I mean, if if you watch the new Dumbo movie, I haven't seen it, but I know Tim Burton, like, like there's a whole thing about like Walt Disney. Like I think the, the, the ringleader in that movie played by Michael Keaton, he's kind of like an evil anti Walt Disney. And uh, like, I'm sure Disney like, as a company was very aware that, that Tim Burton was doing it, but you know, he's Tim Burton, let him do it. Go ahead.
0: Right. Yeah. I guess there's only so much you could do the certain like powerful figures in, in Hollywood. Right. Even against a company, a company as big as like Warner brothers or especially Disney, they know people, if they are, people are expecting Tim Burton, they're going to let Tim Burton do his thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then they, they let kind of Lana do her thing, even even though. And I still haven't seen it, so it could be an incredible movie. But even though, like, they didn't make money off of Jupiter Ascending, or, um, or well, I feel like there was one more that they made there. I mean, they produced Speed, Speed Racer. Racer. <laughs> did they did they direct that as well?
0: I see. I never saw it. That's a great movie.
1: It's a really really bright and colorful and fun. Christina Reed. That's where they got Christina Ricci from. That's right. They know she her from that movie. Yeah, and she makes an appearance. Yeah, and she makes an appearance it's in Matrix. Written and directed
0: for... by the Wachowskis. Speed okay. Writer. Okay.
1: It's 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 great. It's a that's a fun movie. Um, I, I not will... the
0: first person to say this to me, and I haven't seen it yet. Uh, everyone says, you know, by you know Wachowskis, they, you know, when it, when it comes to their filmography, it's kind of you love it or you hate it kind of thing. Or there's certain films that people love and certain films that people. Don't love as much, mm-hmm. but it seems that Speed Racer is one of those films that people really they put up on a pedestal even up next to the matrix.
1: I think I mean, again, I've isn't only the seen a
0: nostalgia it... thing, though. You know, Did you grow up watching Speed Racer?
1: I didn't. I didn't at all. I just okay, think... neither
0: did I and that's why I thought this film ne- isn't necessarily for me.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I think the casting was really smart. Uh, like Christina Ricci, she looks like an anime character, you know. Uh, At least
0: at the time, perhaps.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, John Goodman was the dad; thought he was great. Um, What's his name? Fox Matthew Fox from Lost is the bad guy in it, and uh, he's
0: that was the era for people in that TV show.
1: Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I love Lost. I love like I think Matthew Fox is great um, as Jack Shepard on Lost. I don't think he's as good as like a villain role, uh, but he was fine in it. Um, I think like oh, he's like helmeted most of the movie anyway.
0: Was the other film you were trying to remember Cloud Atlas?
1: Yes, you, that's it. Yeah,
0: Cloud yeah. Atlas and Which Jupiter I saw Ascending. Things. Are there two other like sci-fi, yeah, or, like heavy sci-fi films? And I haven't seen either. And I don't know if there's a why I've avoided, I don't know if I've avoided seeing them, or I just haven't seen them yet. But it's uh I, I think it's because I knew. They wouldn't be as good as The Matrix.
1: Uh, I've seen Cloud Atlas. I can say it's not as good as The Matrix. It's a really interesting idea. There, um, I think it's like three stories, if I remember specifically. And, you know, Tom Hanks is one of them.
0: Right. It's like, um, it's like a very long like, movie, too, right?
1: Yeah, because it's three movies in one. And you have different people playing. Like, you have, like, what's weird is you have, like, like white Caucasian characters playing like Asian characters. That's
0: right. And I remember they got a lot of flack for that.
1: Yeah. I think that was like, like back, back then, I mean, it was probably like what, 2013. It was, it, it was like more culturally appropriate to do cultural appropriation.
0: (laughs) Or it was like Hollywood appropriate, right? Yeah. we Hire, we hire an actor or an actress to play this role. So it, but they would it wasn't, culturally appropriate.
1: No, not at all. Um and so that's a little wonky and weird, but there's this love story with the the actor who plays Q in the James Bond movies. Um he he plays um this like he's in love with like his like scientist or writer I think it's a writer his writer um like uh the person he like looks up to. And uh, that's like a really beautiful, like sad story within the movie. That's like just like just makes me cry every time I think about it. It's like so good that part. Well, I of mean, the film.
0: obviously, any movie that evokes like gets an emotional response, it means it's probably at least that part of the film was really good.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's part of movies, right? You want that emotional response? Right. Like that's yeah. what that's what they're trying to give us in films.
0: And so, if nothing else, I mean, mean the Wachowskis know how to do that. They one way or the other they're getting an emotional response being like you know a base emotional response like like crying or people that start fomenting wild political right-wing theories you know i mean whether or not you agree with those theories is one thing but the fact that this movie was that powerful it becomes part of our lexicon it becomes part of our politics it's crazy yeah and it's fascinating
1: yeah yeah think of um all the people who had like princess Leia, like, like rebel signs in the last, like four years. Yeah. And it's uh, like our, our society
0: is now becoming more and more based on some of the things that we, that we see. Right. It's not, we, we, and this is, I think this is even referenced in the movies. Like we're in less control of our own lives. We'd rather kind of let these films dictate our lives or dictate how we should live our lives. Right, it's not it's not our choice anymore. We're being told how to live our lives in a way. Yeah, yeah.
1: I think that's something that Jada, whether picked, or not
0: we even realize it.
1: Yeah, that's just something that Niobe was very adamant about too. Was like not stirring things up and just trying to live life like absolutely the way You're that right. it currently is in Io, which is Zion without the Z in the end, which I think is really weird. Right, right?
0: it plays on so many different levels. Right, it's yeah. the symbology for on and off on computers the Mm. I and the O. It's also stands for input output. Um, And yeah, it's also Zion without the N and the the Z. So it's, it's, is it overly clever or is it, is it all intentional? I mean, it must be. Yeah. I think it's
1: all intentional. I think it's all, I don't even, and then I'm sure the name of the ship is super important too. I don't.
0: That I haven't looked at either. I'm sure. I'm sure it has like either a biblical or philosophical or even fantastical reference somewhere.
1: Yeah. And uh, so in the movie, you know, we're in the matrix for like, I want to say like the first 45 minutes of the film. And then we finally jump out, maybe it's even an hour. And we finally jump out and we jump into the real world. Right when we got into the real world and we got to IO and I saw like Jada Pickett Smith as an older Niobe. And that one, that one girl was like my grandfather, you fought in the war with, from the first three movies. And I was like, I don't know who was it, Harry Lennox or was it, I don't know who's um, like grandfather she, she was, it wasn't link. I like, I'm not sure who it was, but that was really cool. All that's like suddenly when we're in, and again, I like the movie before that. And I thought like a lot of this stuff before that was really cool. The train sequence, like um, redoing the Morpheus stuff was neat. Um, I didn't need it projected on the walls as much, but like, it was, it was still cool. Um, all that stuff was great. And then when we, but when we got to IO, I was like, this is the matrix. Like, yes, we've, we're in the matrix Four. like, this is so wild. There's, there's Niobe there 60 years older. Like this is crazy that they right. made this movie. Like this is so crazy.
0: I almost want to see more of that life. Like yeah. is the, the real world life. Like, and I they agree. really talk about it, right? A little bit, but they want to leave a little something to the imagination or to future properties.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: There's always going to be more stuff to milk from these these properties I for th- sure.
1: I think what would be cool would be more Animatrix. So do like nine more shorts. Well, an- either see.
0: Animatrix, some kind of animated series, either a movie or a TV show, or we'll see video games for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't Netflix put out something kind of similar to the Animatrix? But it's uh, it's not related to the Matrix at all. But there's it, sci-fi shorts, animated sci-fi shorts.
1: Is it Arcane? Is that what you're thinking of? Mm,
0: I don't think which, it was Arcane. Which I
1: think, oh, Love and Robots? That's it. And yeah. I, that gave
0: me an Animatrix vibe. I, I haven't seen that. Yeah. I have seen a little bit. And a part of it was like, this... Is this an animatrix ripoff? Because abs- animatrix absolutely could have done that and just been pumping out season after season, different artists recreating different stories. We're not recreating, creating new stories from the from the Matrix universe. Could be really interesting.
1: It would be amazing. I would I would love that so much because we've we've had that. Two other times now, uh, with like taking an established property and then making anime shorts out of it, because like like the animatrix started that, WB started that with them. Then WB was like, well, it was successful with the animatrix, let's do it with the Dark Knight. So you have the Gotham Knight and anim- anime shorts that are canon to uh, Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy, and then just recently, Star Wars did it with Star Wars Visions. So that's nine, eight or nine uh, shorts. Uh, that are, an, are all anime studios, Japanese animation studios. And they they got to just do really what they wanted to do. And th- some of those are like incredible, some of the best Star Wars I've ever seen. And also, I really love the Genndy Tartovsky uh, Clone Wars micro series, which is a little similar, I'd say, as well, where they did little micro episodes that were just like took place in the universe that were just like fun and epic and like light on story, but like heavy on just like action and, and adventure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could add the matrix, obviously, like we've touched upon it multiple times now is such a part of like our society or at least sci-fi brain at this point, like it, they could do anything and people would eat it up.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: Or not. Um, I don't know, because that's why they they figured, like, we need Lana to make this movie. We will make it without her, but we would prefer if she's involved. So, I mean, would people necessarily touch another Matrix property without a Wachowski being involved? I don't know. I would say probably, though. Yeah. And and even without Neo, you know, Keanu involved, probably.
1: That's the thing. Like, are they going to make more, um, I mean, they they want to make more pirates movies without Johnny Depp. Like they want to use the, um, red, the redhead from the ride. Um, that's like a pirate character now. And, um, so there's like all the rumors there, but it's like, you know, he's been the movies for five movies. Can you do a movie without him in that universe? I think you can, because I think the pirates of the Caribbean universe is really big and you can do anything there, but, um, the, the point yeah, of, I
0: think about the bottom line though right will the yeah. audience show up for that
1: yeah i think they would because i mean
0: like obviously you and i would appreciate you know a a web of matrix movies that kind of all connect but involve different characters but doesn't make money you know? <laughs> yeah exactly. that's all that they care about now
1: yeah um and but they also just have to like qu- they have they need a quantity con like quotient uh for uh, hbo max so they have to produce a certain amount of content per year for that 15 dollars that you're that you're dishing out per month so like we're gonna get some wild stuff based off their franchises in the next couple years i mean that's the thing so like i think they would want to keep lana in regardless of what people say about this this current film Right. Maybe not as
0: a director or even a writer, probably you could see like an executive producer or something. I
1: think they would want to keep her as the creative consultant, like the, the overseer, like the creative producer in charge of, of the matrix franchise. Uh, Because um, you have, you know, you have Lana on this end. And then on the far other end, you have JK Rowling writing their fantastic beasts movies. And then you have her uh, views of the trans community and and how she words those things is not to the benefit of the trans community. And then you have Lana again on this other side, who is this like powerhouse, like director, writer, completely doing her own thing. And, you know, it's the like JK Rowling and Lana Wachowski are on opposite ends of this, of this. And it's interesting that Warner brothers employs them both. And they're both these prolific uh, universe creators you know yeah. there's like george lucas lana Wachowski, and jk rowling you know
0: well even though they're both in that this example these two creators are coming from two different ends of like many different spectrums i mean wb is just playing all their cards that they have they know lana's gonna pull one one type of audience and jk is gonna pull another type of audience but in the end it's all gravy for wb
1: yeah 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 it's it's cool.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm happy just to be on the ride. It's so it's so yeah. much fun. And honestly, like with all the complaining that people do about all this content coming out, well, really, we should be happy. Well, like, never have we ever has there been a population of people just inundated with so much content that you can complain about. I mean, like exactly you should be thankful you have something to to complain about.
1: Yeah, like these things are so hard to make and produce and to like you know get up at five a.m. and make a movie and be on a set. And like people think it's all fun and it's not. It's not making (laughs) one
0: movie occasionally. They're making hundreds of movies and TV shows and other properties throughout the year constantly. I mean, it's just they're pumping out. They're ringing the industry of every last drop of blood so that we can, you know, have something to watch and and complain about on YouTube or Twitter or something.
1: Yeah. And yeah. hopefully
0: enjoy <laughs> like I'm enjoying yeah.
1: it. Yeah. I'm, I'm just, again, I'm just here for the ride. Like you, you want to give me another matrix movie. I'm I'm down. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, I can't believe we did it.
0: Maybe I'm a sucker, but I'll watch it.
1: <laughs> yeah. But I fully enjoyed this picture. Um, On the pantheon of Matrix movies, where would you where would you rank it? Do you have a Matrix ranking?
0: I mean, how could you not put the original at the top, right? That has to be number one because obviously it sets the bar not for not just for the entire series, but every Matrix property. Hence, like thereafter, I mean, it's you know we could go on and on about that. The original, original movie has to be the top. I. I mm-hmm. think this fourth movie actually could be my second pick because I think it's an important matrix movie. I agree. It kind of sets the tone socially, not just for the matrix, but for sci-fi action films, certain and expectations revolving around those things. And it, you know, I think Lana mm-hmm. does a really good job of putting some expectations to bed and saying like, you know, like a, the whole movie, Films are about choice. Entertainment's about choice. The Matrix is about choice. And this was her choice.
1: <laughs> you know, exactly. and you
0: have to have faith in in your creators and these all-powerful beings. The most all-powerful being in the Matrix is Lana Wachowski.
1: It's very true. She's Neo. I mean, at the end of the day, she she's like the creator of the Matrix. She's the that's Trinity. What he is. That's what she wrote Neo you know, as in this movie, yeah.
0: Lana and perhaps Lily also, but like... The Neo, the Trinity character and the the Agent Smith character. These are, you know, it could be interpreted a million ways, but these are all like perhaps like inner dialogues or happening inside her head or their heads, you know, or these are real references to situations that have happened to not only their lives, but the real people. It's just so and then the other two movies, the original sequels, kind of fall off to me after that i mean i still enjoyed the hell out of them but to me they kind of i think warner brothers obviously wanted to pump out sequels real yeah. bad because they knew they had caught lightning in a bottle yeah like, this, this is the matrix is something special and we need more of it now because like they pumped out those two sequels within a year of, of each other right
1: they, they filmed them back to back. And I think or when they, they came
0: f- out in the same year, 2003, they, I
1: think. Yeah, they came out in the same year. So one was like May and the other was November because we saw the one in November together. The third movie
0: it's crazy. We, like
1: I had a parking spot at school. I remember. So um, and it was junior year for us. So somehow I magically got this parking spot. And um, we like like halfway through school, we just we ran in my car and then we got over. I think we went to Bridgewater uh, Commons
0: movie theater
1: yeah which i don't even know if that exists anymore or it's a dine-in theater now i don't know if it exists through covid uh but um yeah i think when you film two movies back to back like that and i like again you want them i think to come out one year after the other i think after the second one came out they realized that um that the fever was breaking down matrix fever so yeah. they didn't think, I don't think they sense. think it could have lasted another year. So I think they snuck it out in November, but I could be mistaken. I haven't read No, I, I
0: believe that. And I think you're right. I mean, people were, were riding high after the first movie and people were just like foaming at the mouth. They wanted more Matrix. And so the executives were like, give them Matrix. Let's give the people what they want. Because between 1999 and 2003, I remember there was just like, Every commercial, not every commercial, but there were so many commercials that revolved some kind of like involved, every kind of matrix every
1: butter commercial. No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: there may have been. I mean, I remember there was ads where there was agents selling Mountain Dew or something, right? It's like
1: yeah, it's just everything was and then the matrix. The second and
0: third movie were they had like built-in commercials, right? I for, what is that called again? Like um oh shoot, I forget, but like everything was like a oh, like product, product product placement. placement. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, product placement. Because I mean, obviously, I think that helped pay for the films. Yeah, but, like it was a uh, you know, it was a car commercial, it was a phone commercial, sunglass commercial, whatever beverage they may or may not have drank in the film, right? Steaks yeah. was it a st-
1: <laughs> Yeah, the, the, Those movies. are the first movie, the that steak the that he's eating. Steaks, yeah. Yeah. It's like <laughs> steak. yeah. Um, yeah. So, I,
0: a little, I, that was a little distracting for me, you know, the commercialization of the matrix films, but again, it just comes, it's just a business. It's just yeah, a business. at the end of the day. They all want to, they want to make money.
1: Yeah. I think when movies are filmed back to back like that, like sequels, like you have pirates two and three, you have matrix two and three. There's a couple other examples too. Um, they, they, they sometimes feel like the same movie to me. And it's like, well, you really shot, five hours of footage and like instead of breaking it down into two two and a half hour movies you can like cut the thing down into like one two and a half hour movie that just like just like you know like you can you can trump make that whole entire thing about
0: ticket sales too though right like you're paying for one ticket why pay for just one ticket we can get them to pay for two tickets
1: it's true i mean that's what the whole uh harry potter and the deathly hollows part one and part two
0: right yeah
1: yeah yeah because that was what they were doing for such a long time with all of these books was, um, Oh, the last book we're going to split into two movies. And uh, there was that one Shailene Woodley series that Lionsgate summit did. And um, forget what it was called now, but they, they did um, they did the first three movies. So they did the, like the, so the third movie was the f- first half of the last book and then they didn't make enough money to make a fourth movie. So just like the last half of the last book is not adapted into a film.
0: <laughs> so bizarre.
1: Yeah. So it was just like a total failure on like, oh yeah, we're going to do what we're going to do, what Twilight did. We're going to do what um, the Harry Potter movies did. And then they just, it wasn't that successful.
0: Well, it's, like, it's similar did, to uh, game of Thrones too. Right. I mean, they, they couldn't wait for, uh, the the, what's what's his name Uh, george double r martin george rr martin they couldn't wait for him to finish his book and honestly at this point he may never finish his book yeah so they just let the showrunners go off and do their own thing write their own story and that didn't i don't know i don't think it went too well in my opinion
1: no that was a divergent series i was talking about of movies and books but yeah, yeah from what i read with george r. r martin and the the um game of game of thrones bros is that they yeah. they were actually invited to like a hotel room with george r, r. martin so they went in there and like he wasn't really going to tell them anything so they had to like get it out of him so they would ask him questions and he would respond so i think that's how they got the the hodor thing out of him because he they gotta
0: got the gist
1: yeah, and I think they 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 got the gist of of what he wanted to do in the later books. So they took like that frame, that skeleton that they got from Martin, and then they went and then they tried to like you know they had these they had these goalposts they had to hit. So you hit here, and then you have to hit this. You have to hit this, and then we're at the end. And I feel like how they got from A to B and then from B to C was a very convoluted and not the best writing and. Like, again, you're they taking your time in the beginning seasons of the story. Like, it takes a character like an entire season to get from this place to this place. Right. In, in those last two seasons, they were just kind of jumping around. Like, this character's here now. I don't know why, how. Uh, I don't know. Teleportation to worry yeah, about.
0: Why? It. Yeah. It, yeah. Didn't, it didn't matter anymore because that was so great about the the, the show was all the development and character development. But I mean, it also reminds me of uh, Lost, the show Lost, right? Like, that kind of like, again, was one of those shows that just caught lightning in a bottle for its time. And I think, what was it? Damon Lindelof and...
1: Carlton Cuse. Carlton
0: Cuse, right? Yeah. They had intended it to end after so many seasons, but the executives at the studio pressured them to just keep making more and more episodes, more seasons, where eventually, I think they were just writing it as they went, figuring it out as as they went. And I've always equated that with how uh the the Game of Thrones Burrows ended up kind of doing it. Yeah. But if they ended up having it beginning to at least have a conversation. Yeah. But yeah, I don't even think that was enough.
1: Yeah, they at the beginning of season three of Lost, there's six episodes where they didn't know what they were doing, they didn't have a plan for the rest of the series. So they um they went into ABC and, and then they that's how they renegotiated that the show will end at six seasons. So In the middle of the third season is when they figured out that, I think that the middle of the third season, maybe it was the beginning of the fourth, but they knew this is how many more we're going to do. Because, I mean, season five of that show is my favorite because it's time travel and it's, that season's so much fun. It
0: gets wacky, but they do it in such a fun way.
1: Yeah, I think season that that season 5 they really uh they really know where they're going and they um and they're in the meat of the story so that Oh yeah,
0: don't get me wrong. They're super talented writers. Like these guys are some of the best out there, yeah. I think. But I think they were put in a in a tough spot. The fact they that they were able to do something with almost nothing. <laughs> It's it was really impressive, but this comes back what it comes back to the Matrix that with the fact that I don't it couldn't have been done any other way. We, yeah, it has to be a Wachowski's property, or they have to be involved somehow, or else I think we'll lose the fan base. Like we don't want to have people mad at like like the, they were people mad at the uh, Return of the Jedi or mad at the final season of Game of Thrones.
1: Yeah. Yeah, or the rise of Skywalker. It just ruins
0: uh, the property. It just like yeah. they're beating, they're just beat it to death, squeeze every last drop of blood out of it, and then leave it for dead. Yeah. It's, just, it's just sad. I would hate to see that happen to something that you that you enjoy so much, you know.
1: For sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So I think the end of the movie I think is really fascinating too, because I think there's this whole buildup, it's kind of like a chase sequence. Where they're on the motorcycle, and then uh, the um, the analyst has the swarm option, where he like so you're saying before like the agents can um like the agents in the original can like can like take over someone's body, and this one instead um they like he can activate swarm, so their eyes get all matrixy with the green letters in them, and then they just turn into like drones like like zombies essentially. It turns into like a zombie movie almost. Yeah. Where, we're like, I almost feel like this movie should have a um, uh, should have a suicide prevention hotline or something at the beginning of it. People were
0: very taken aback by the for that scene for those, yeah. those moments. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like, I was fine with it, but I was like, I also grew up with like 9-11 happening and people jumping out of buildings. I like, thought I, I, saw the same that, thing. I thought I saw that when I was a kid. So like that happening in this movie was just like a little, dry. I was like, Oh wow. They really went for it here. Cause it's just bodies yeah. falling out of
0: windows. It was nuts. They do like digitize the, it becomes like animated gore, right. Or there isn't really technically gore. It's just like their bodies kind of evaporate into code. Yeah. It, the they, code. It, it still, is pretty evocative, right? The, the imagery of people jumping swan diving from office buildings. It's, It's, I mean, like, again, it's powerful. That's how films should be. They should be powerful.
1: Yeah. And it's also interesting that Neo and Trinity never use a gun throughout this entire movie. I don't know. Yeah.
0: That's something I think that was obviously an, an intentional choice, right? They want to get away from like, it's not about guns. It's this machismo, like typical American style action expectation, and they don't need that. They don't need that, that, that to make it. I mean, there isn't even that much action compared to some of the other uh, Matrix movies, right? Yeah.
1: And a lot of it is Neo is he's a pacifist. He he's is like defensive. Bonafood. Yeah. He uses, he uses his powers uh, for defensive purposes, which is something to get back to Star Wars or even to get back. Did you see the new Spider-Man film? No Way I Home? Did. Okay. So we'll spoil that just a tiny bit. For people, but you know, in the Last Jedi, it's Luke refusing to fight. He thinks about uh, he, you know, he thinks about the um, the myth of Luke Skywalker who killed the Emperor. Like he thinks that of that in in the moment when young Ben Solo is sleeping, and he's like, "Wow, I'm the person who like ended the the Empire." and i'm reading that this kid's going to be evil in the future like i could end him right now and save the universe again and when he's thinking that is when ben's reading his mind ben's like this motherfucker is going to kill me so uh like that's and like that idea of like this machismo of like i just need to like if if i just use like my like you know my my powers to kill something then i can like defend the universe is what ends up turning ben solo like evil to a degree so then you have luke throughout the last jedi being this pacifist and being like i'm not gonna fight you because fighting you isn't the way to solve this issue like i'm gonna choose not to fight you i'm gonna delay the resistance so they can get out so my sister can be saved and i'm gonna kind of make a fool of you because you think that like Again, like you think this like masculinity, this like idea of fighting me is gonna solve all your issues, and it doesn't. And then the same thing in the new Spider-Man, No Way Home. It's like Doctor Strange has the false machismo, and he's just like, I like all these villains came to your universe, and you know, if if I pop, I need to pop them back into their own universes. And Peter's like, Well, if you do that, they're all dead there, so they're all gonna be in their own universe and die. And Dr. Strange is like, Well, that's their fate, and Peter's like, No like we can't just let them die and then and it's peter the in the rest of the movie is peter trying to save the lives of the villains he's actively not fighting them he's actively trying to turn them because he knows they're still good in them and i right. think that's such a powerful thing that i think yeah i think the matrix resurrections i think no way home and i think um last jedi does really really well is this idea of the pacifist hero of using words um to fight and um using your like power for good and not for evil or not not like use it for defense and not for offense
0: destruction necessarily create rather than destroy yeah It's it's, it's interesting to see the themes carrying across multiple films right now, this is just sort of like a, a universal concept that's been building. And now it's been obviously making its way into our media and our films. It is it is interesting. Yeah. Right. And then in, and, and Neo. Doesn't use a gun. Right. And he's acting mostly defensively in any of the fight scenes, but it's not, it's only until he's able to combine forces with Trinity. Right. It's mm-hmm. this union this kind of creates this fluidity between the two of them when things are finally able to, that the violence finally stops.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And they're able to go to the analyst because um, they jump off the building at the end and he still can't fly or defy the laws of gravity within the matrix, but she's able to. So right. Almost, she's
0: holding his hand and bringing him with her.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and the, the whole movie is building up to that. And they fly to the analyst, Neil Patrick Harris, and they're like, don't don't fuck with us. Cause like, like, they, we'll...
0: she does kick his jaw off and slit his throat. That's true. And That's then very reverses true. it, reverses it. Yeah. But it, <laughs> that is sort of interesting to keep in mind. Right. She does still exact violent revenge.
1: Yeah. And like, even if it's not back permanent into the wall. Yeah. 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 And then, and then they fly off. But together. it's the
0: female character doing it, yeah. which I think is important though.
1: Yeah. Choosing. I mean, he's almost, um, I mean, if you want to analyze it further with the, from the female perspective, she's, she's, she's like, he's her abuser. I mean, like he's kept her locked up oh, absolutely. In, in, within the matrix. And those are some really powerful, um, you know, uh, ideas that, um, That this film also deals with and that, you know, like a movie like Room, like with Brie Larson dealt with a movie like uh, the other Brie Larson movie, Captain Marvel dealt with some of those deeper ideas of a man keeping a woman trapped. Uh, In that movie, it was like she was trapped as like, like a space policeman, I think. But, you know, like that's it yeah uh by jude law uh but the, these these are powerful themes for uh female viewership you know for um the the female experience uh in the world that they can relate to that i think are really powerful so yeah i, I do think that uh maybe exacting that extreme revenge or violence on him and being able to like fix it immediately was a good idea. And while the man, the man doing it would have just been, well, just toxic masculinity, but well, that's the woman like white doing
0: knighting, right?
1: It, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, um, but the woman doing it is like, kind of like um, not revenge, but kind of like justice in a way.
0: Yeah, that's fair. I couldn't have said it better. That's, that's a hundred percent. Right. It's like you said, it's justice served fully. Yeah. they do. I don't know why they, they, they do. He remains though. And I guess it's because it's his version of the matrix. They leave him there because he knows that like, well, they could do whatever they want. Now they can, can control and rewrite the matrix as they please. They but have a game.
1: They have a game shark basically.
0: <laughs> right. They have the cheat codes. Yeah. Uh, but I guess maybe that's, they don't kill him because the, even though, They've beat him. They're also merciful. Yeah. I'm assuming that's it. I'm assuming.
1: Yeah. And do we ever really figure out like how you get right rid of code? Like, I guess you can slit his throat and leave it that way.
0: Well, supposedly, right at the end of the third film, the the, the bargain was Neo would sacrifice himself so that they could delete the Agent Smith code, oh. which apparently doesn't work, right? Hold doesn't hold i guess because there's always going to be a little piece of the agent smith code inside of neo himself
1: that's true so cuz he doesn't he doesn't write the code for agent smith in the new movie like he does with morpheus it's right. more it's just it's, it's, it's already his boss. there yeah
0: the smith code is already there because right in the third film he sacrifices himself he waits till smith what like liquefies into neo's body i forget what he calls it he like he inhabits Neo's body. He like mm-hmm. shoves his fingers into his chest or whatever. He He's yeah, right. he completely he starts, like, enveloped in liquid metal become like T-1000. And then uh, once he's, com- he's completely taken over by Agent Smith, the architect or whatever, the, the main machine god-like figure realizes that, he like sends in some kind of shockwave delete code that wipes out all the Agent Smiths. Mm, so cool but then they bring them back to life. You know, there's some convenient storytelling that happens honestly, but I think it works It all. It all works. It's fun. Yeah. There's the resurrection.
1: Yeah. And, and uh, all, all of that uh, Christ.
0: um... We didn't even get into any of that, but there's, you know, there's again, I don't think that's explicit, but it's, it's definitely obvious.
1: Yeah. I mean, when when he in the third movie, like he's he's his body's laid down Neo and he, he's in he's in a it's crucified, a Christ
0: like crucified pose, right? And yeah, for sure. It's, it's clear. There's definitely Christ like references, whether or not it's I don't think it's meant to be uh, taken with a grain of salt kind of thing. Yeah, because I, yeah. I don't I don't consider Lana and, and Lily Wachowski likes overtly religious, though I think they do include the themes a lot. I think they just love pulling themes from lots of different, like source material. Yeah,
1: lots of different uh, religions and practices and, and and mythologies, if you will. Like yeah, just, oh, totally. like, Yeah, because religion is a mythology that uh, people take very literally sometimes,
0: very seriously, and they enjoy seeing it pop up in their media. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, and it gives us something to talk about.
1: For sure. So I guess uh final thoughts on the Matrix 4 Resurrections.
0: I, Matt Matrix. I can't, I can't wait to see the uh, see what happens next. Honestly, if there's gonna be anything left. But but honestly, I'd be just as happy knowing that this was the the last thing to come out for the Matrix. I think it really puts a nice it's a nice bookend for the entire series, if that is going to be the case. I mean, I look back and at the end of the third Matrix, I, I think I th- I would need to rewatch it again to kind of like remember how I felt. But I think I felt a little wanting more. I yeah. think now I feel like this. It's good. I can put it to bed. I can yeah. enjoy it as, like a, as a complete moment in time.
1: I think and, you're right. I felt that way about Space Jam, a new legacy as well. It's like, OK, you finally made the sequel. You did it. I honestly feel like you kind of perfected the idea of the maximum potential of what a space jam movie could be. You have a good father son story in this. That's, that's it. I think we can move along now. We don't need to ever talk about like a space jam three or we can just move on. We did it. We did it perfectly. Yeah. Let's, let's keep going now.
0: I mean, if anything, the studios are proving that we can keep pumping these out yeah. at yeah. least while this generation of audience is still living. They'll well, there always coming.
1: They always wanted to do race jam with Jeff Gordon and golf jam with Tiger Woods and and a skate jam with uh, with Tony Hawk and spy spy jam with Jackie Chan. So uh, spy is that real?
0: This is something they actually wanted to do.
1: All four of those they actually wanted to do. Yeah, yeah. And I was actually talking to uh, Holly, my wife's uh, father. And he was saying, Wow, it would have been amazing if they did all four of those movies and Space Jam. And then on um, then, so they do all five of those films, and then the sixth one they do is Sports Jam. And you combine all of the characters and all of the athletes from it's those kind of giving
0: me like air bud vibes. It's like the golden retriever plays basketball in this movie. Now <laughs> the golden retriever plays soccer. Now the golden retrievers on a skateboard. It's like I don't know how many how often like you can really make that work. I,
1: well, yeah. I, Will Ferrell does that too. It's like now Will Ferrell's playing basketball. Now he's a race car driver. Now he's, now he's soccer.
0: So like he, he did why, that as well. <laughs> and I'm, I'm a victim of this. He airbutted Absolutely. it. It's like I love seeing Oh, and when the fourth movie was released, I was like, of course I'm going to see this. Yeah. Sight unseen. Whether or not I see a trailer, I'm going to watch the matrix you know fourth movie and honestly if they put out a fifth movie i'd do the same thing and i'm sure i would go back and and think about how like oh i th- i thought that i would be done with the matrix with the fourth film but if they put out a fifth i'd be right back in the way. yeah
1: especially it was lana like um they yeah, did as the long as
0: the original the original creators are involved
1: yeah like I, I, love the first uh, Men in Black movie. I love that movie. It's one of my favorite movies ever. Uh, I was obsessed with it as a kid. I think my like ninth or tenth birthday party, we went and saw it, um, and, um at the Denellen movie theater. I and then I, I didn't like the second one that much. I really like the third Men in Black, and then they did Men in Black International, like without Will Smith. And I was just like, no, I like, I have no desire to see that at all for some I think reason. It was a-
0: it was a box office flop right
1: yeah yeah but i just had like no at least compared to the
0: the first two even like it was
1: yeah that that fourth one m-i-b-i yeah it just wasn't i don't know i mean like if you're gonna make a movie like that that's set in the universe then like i want to make sure things have like stakes to them and i feel like you're just kind of making it to like a men in black movie so it can be a men in black movie not like you know like i want to have like payoff i want to like i don't know it just doesn't seem like it was it didn't seem like it was anything really
0: it's just popcorn at that point right it's just ticket sales just get them in the door we don't care if they like it or, or they hate it just get them in the door get them to buy a ticket we're done with them
1: yeah. So I just I like, you know, I love when the movies um are more than that. Like I think like this movie was more than just a simple sequel. You know, it was a commentary on being a sequel as well, which That's some smart. people Yeah. And it was so much more too. It was just what Lana wanted to do while um you know, other sequels just feel very like vapid and em- empty. Uh, this did not, this didn't feel empty at all. It felt like, it felt like someone trying to tell something and yeah. doing it really, really well. I and thought. that was the
0: original intention all along. So I'm happy that they were able, or she at least was able to continue with that original vision.
1: Yeah. I think we covered everything. Yeah,
0: I think we covered everything. I've realized the only thing I didn't bring up sooner was the, why was there an absence of Lily? Why was Lily not involved in? The yeah, project? but do
1: we do we know that? Or? I
0: haven't looked it up, so I was. I mean, I was going to ask, but I wasn't sure if you would know. Yeah, you know, I, got...
1: I don't think there was ever an explanation of uh, why no Lily. Because
0: as far as I knew, it was a co creation from the beginning. Yeah, maybe she maybe she just didn't want to have anything to do with it. Yeah, there we go. I got out of my transition in 2016 and was just completely exhausted because we had made Cloud Atlas and Jupiter Ascending and the first season of Sense Eight back to back to back. We were posting, we were posting one and prepping the other at the exact same time. So you're talking about three 100 plus days of shooting oh, for each wow. project, and you even you mentioned this in the in the in the podcast, right? That how you know we're just in these people are just Bleeding constantly making projects so yeah she needed a little time
1: yeah it's it's exa- it's really is exhausting I mean people think like making a movie is fun but it's like you know it's 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 exhausting work it's just like nonstop. like like one minute of screen time is like you know a week of shooting sometimes mm-hmm.
0: And I think the only other thing I would have said is I wonder how it would have been different with the inclusion of Lily. It felt a little because I have seen some sense eight. Mm-hmm. And this the fourth matrix did give me TV production vibes a little bit. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes sense. I don't no, know how to explain Maybe that. maybe it's
1: because we Watched it on HBO Max because I, I assume you didn't go that's to the theater. I, yeah, that's how yeah. I watched it. But yeah, everything felt a little smaller. Um, like the sets, I don't know what the budget was for the new movie, but the sets seemed like they were turned that's at angles question. so that you, you know, everything was made a little cheaper. You know, we have this angle that you can shoot at, but yeah, because we maybe don't maybe have this, this wall.
0: It's a product of COVID, right? I don't know.
1: Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure through the COVID shoot, it was really tough too.
0: Oh, interesting. So I think I see. The budget was 190 million, and thus far, at least, the box office has been 106 million. Okay, yeah, I
1: think it made 90 million in its opening weekend, but it's they a... have
0: not broken even yet. It's yeah, kind of, but that's disheartening. But you know, it's, it's it's a
1: yeah, and it's also first, you know, it was day and date in the theaters and on HBO Max. So like again, we both That's saw it. That's going to hurt
0: ticket sales. Yeah, we always. would have given
1: them like forty more dollars, but we like didn't. So and I
0: almost went. Actually, Lauren convinced me not to go to theaters because it would have been right before we saw some family. We were we did see some family for the holidays, and they were all vaccinated. But we were worried that if we went to a theater, we could have even if we really? were asymptomatic, we could have carried something with us
1: yeah yeah and a lot of our friends have been testing positive it's been yeah it's been wild
0: so, so. i was happy i like i didn't want to wait it's like all right i'm not gonna to wait to see it in theaters i want to see it as soon as possible i wanted to see it opening day
1: yeah yeah
0: But i ended up uh, just watching on hbo
1: yeah and did did you watch two and th- i haven't seen two and three in a really long time no. i feel like i know two
0: well enough i never need to see it again <laughs>
1: But I feel like I've only seen. I would
0: rewatch two and three because they are the ones I remember the least. Yeah, honestly. I don't.
1: I really don't remember much from three. I remember the like Niobe. I remember them running around a bunch, uh, trying to like shoot like droids with rocket launchers or something.
0: Right. Right.
1: And, and then um, there's like an alternate, like there's like a fight in a DJ club at the beginning of the movie, and it's reminiscent of the at the the fight in the bottom of the, was it the bank or something in the, in the first movie. Mm-hmm. Right. And then.
0: The yeah, there, was, there was callbacks in that film for sure. Yeah. in both of those sequels. Yeah. I would rewatch them. Yeah. We should do, we should, I know we've talked about this a million years ago. Now it feels like we could, we could go back and just do all, every podcast we do is just out of order. No, oh,
1: no, yeah, it doesn't need to be in order. We can make it in order when I make like a separate like.
0: Or like... I think it's fun just releasing it out of order.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's just yeah. the
0: way we watched it, like properly. Uh, um, I have to and... see if I can get Enter the Matrix. Yeah. Do you have a PlayStation? No, I have no OG hardware, just oh, the right. PC. Yeah. So I'd have yeah. to emulate it, I guess.
1: Um, yeah, because it's it's too old to find like to purchase anywhere they should have threw it up on good old games or something got the code running on windows 10 or 11 or whatever we're on now um i was trying to get path of neo to work remember a couple of years ago because i've never played it but joe played it so i'm actually going to try to have joe on the podcast and i want him and i want to talk matrix games with him because he's mm-hmm. played the matrix experience and path of neo
0: what's the matrix experience
1: Oh, that's the unreal uh oh, okay game. yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Yeah, So there's the Matrix online, Enter the Matrix, Path of Neo, and then now the experience. And
0: they're all canonical. Well, I don't know about the experience, but why not? Yeah, Uh, I guess
1: Path of Neo, I think, is like an alternate of what could have happened in 2 and 3, right? Or it's like Neo's path, but then the ending's different. I I have to look it up and
0: read all of them, yeah. I only know the movies well, because I think... By the time all the movies were coming out, I just wasn't playing console games that much anymore. And yes. the only PC game to come out was the uh, the Matrix Online. Oh, wow. Yeah, the other two were.
1: Yeah, and, and Path of Neo was only PlayStation 2, which annoyed me because I wanted to play it on GameCube and never was it never able to.
0: Well, isn't so... Sony going to be releasing all their back catalog as a subscription service at some point?
1: Yeah, but I don't think stuff like that will be in there.
0: They're not doing a hundred percent back catalog. I would hope so.
1: Yeah, I mean Xbox has done that now. They basically have a lot of stuff in their back catalog
0: available. Right. And like Dreamcast stuff is that that's Sega, right? So yeah. Sega's now owned by
1: they're 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 their own thing, but they're just a third party publisher. Mm-hmm. Sega.
0: They were like partners or something with either Nintendo or Microsoft. And there's, I don't
1: think anyone owns a, a piece of them. Maybe like ten cent or something. I'm not sure. Yeah,
0: you're probably right. Yeah, I don't see anything right now. Yeah,
1: yeah. They they have deal like they have that deal with Nintendo where every two years they make a Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Games with them. And um, but they they'll make a they'll make a game. What they were doing was they were making specific games for Nintendo with, with Sonic and then different games for the other systems. But I don't know what's happening.
0: I now. think there's just like a licensing. They're just like licensing out the games.
1: Yeah. To make, yeah.
0: you know, some money.
1: Yeah. I remember Atari made Enter the Matrix and Path of Neo as well. I'm pretty sure. It was like in, Infogrames, something, something like that. I think you're right. Was that
0: who, Infogrames? producing Grames? the new... Or what studio is putting out the the Sonic movies? Oh, Paramount. Yeah, I guess we won't see them in the in the multiverses.
1: No, that's not going to be in the podcast. But um, Detective Pikachu was a Warner Brothers property, and Pokemon used to be on Kids WB. It's not anymore. I think the new episodes are on Netflix. But Detective Pikachu, I mean, could show up in multiverses, right? I guess. Yeah.
0: Oh, that version of Pikachu is licensed or even owned, probably just licensed by Warner Brothers. Yeah, and Legendary.
1: So I think Legendary mainly made that movie. It was just like I haven't seen it. Is it worth seeing? Yeah. Oh. Is it only
0: worth seeing if you're a Pokemon fan, or is it worth seeing if you just enjoy watching movies?
1: I think it's just a good movie Mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. There's a lot of references to different Pokemon stuff, like like um, Cubone, they talk about his like Pokedex entry gets mentioned because he wears his mother's
0: skull. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) that's right.
1: Yeah.
0: I do remember stuff like that, little things like that.
1: They reference that in the film and there's some other stuff that
0: gets referenced.
1: And I think it's a little convoluted, the storyline, but again, it's a really good
0: father-son story at the end of the day. So, yeah. Are they, is Pokemon the son, is uh, Pikachu the son? Of what's his name? Well, Pikachu
1: is the um, everyone in Rhyme City has a Pokemon partner. So, um, you Pokemon don't fight in Rhyme City, which is where his dad lives. Um, but uh, so uh, Detective Pikachu is uh, the main kid's uh, partner, like, like detective partner Ryan Reynolds. So, so Ryan Reynolds is the, the um, the, the Ryan Reynolds is Detective Pikachu and then um the then there's the dad that is uh like then that like there was his dad who uh, like you'll find out but like dies in the movie and then so he's trying to figure out what happened to his dad and then he um meets up with Detective Pikachu who used to be his dad's like partner his part, his his police partner or whatever.
0: It so, yeah. is a little convoluted. I'm like, just the fact that this movie exists seems convoluted, but it's it's fun. They know Pokemon sells like I yeah. don't know who where, how this movie came about. Yeah, it's just it's a loose adaptation. Oh, there's a 2016 video game called Detective Peachy.
1: Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. I had
0: no idea. So I see there is yeah. a tie in.
1: I don't know how much it's based off the game, though. I feel like the writers went and kind of did their own thing a little. But yeah. it, fits, it fits in. It's just like it, like it fits in with the anime world. So if you watch the animes, this could just be another movie in that universe. You know, Yes, yeah. so it, it works really well. I think Rhyme City is its own thing that they created for the movie. But um, where Pokemon don't fight and, and your partner and they don't live in Pokeballs. They just hang out next to you. But, yeah, this is uh, out
0: and about. It's it's fun. It looked fun, honestly. I just was like, why did they make this movie?
1: It is, it's it's a lot of fun. I saw it, I saw it in theaters, and then I watched it on a plane for a second time. And we did an episode of it since the Warner Brothers thing. So I did one with Benny. If you remember Benny, yeah, we talked Batman, and then if you've if you met Jeremy at the wedding, um, he was he was there, he wasn't a groomsman or anything. Uh, jeremy um i did one with him uh last sunday and that was about um steven universe which he loves and it's actually about the trans experience that show as well so just like the matrix and it's like it's like uh there's gems and the gems are like the good guys and um and they're they're actual literal gems from space but they can hard light project holograms and so they look like people
0: what network is it on?
1: Uh Cartoon Network. I it think you watch like it on HBO network. Max.
0: And it is yeah. Warner Brothers, huh? Makes sense.
1: Yeah, yeah. So we did that. Because he's gonna be he's gonna be a playable character in multiverses. The have you seen multiverses yet? What that's gonna be? Oh my gosh. Multiverses. Is that like name.
0: I think you mentioned it? Is it um it's Smash like, Brothers, but for Smash Brothers, yeah.
1: For Warner Brothers, yeah, it's pretty cool. I think it should be called Smash Warner Brothers. No. That looks <laughs> oh, like a lawsuit. What Warner happened? Warner Brothers Brawl.
0: Warner Brothers Melee. We'll look him out on PC. All right. Well, you'll yeah. let me. I'm sure you'll let me know more as more stuff comes out. Yeah, right. but
1: it's going to be like Batman and Bugs and, and Shaggy. Just all
0: WD properties. WB properties. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I feel like they're going to throw in like Daenerys from Game of Thrones and like Hope, uh, ne- hope Neo's yeah, right. in I'm it. Right. I'm
0: seeing like. The crossovers is so crazy. They're shaggy.
1: Yeah. So they got powering the,
0: up like Goku is so they, bizarre. <laughs> they got
1: all the voice actors too. So it's actually Eric Bauza and, yeah. um, and, uh,
0: I mean, I, I believe you.
1: Yeah. Batman,
0: Tom and Jerry. That's so funny.
1: Kevin A bunch Conway, of characters right? I, I don't saying?
0: recognize. Yeah. What is that? What is some of these, they're like, some of them look like Pokemon. There's bugs. Yeah. What? Oh, the guy from, uh, at, uh adventure time oh Oh, yeah yeah. this looks fun i mean it is it's the same game right it's it's smash brothers just with a different studio's properties Uh, yeah
1: like like nicktoons just did it too nickelodeon did it with their properties and they own garfield and the teenage mutant ninja turtles now as well So i guess
0: you can't patent a style of game like a (laughs) genre of game obviously not
1: yeah yeah you can't um, so like they call them mascot fighters or smash clones but i think mascot fighters is a more appropriate term because they made a they made a version with uh just the turtles as well so when it was the same company that made that made no no because i think the turtles one was made by platinum studios who's a i love that developer by the way they were originally clover
0: studios okay i think i've heard of clover Studios, and they made
1: beautiful joe and um god hand which i never played and uh beautiful Joan. there's like one other huge huge game that was like incredible they made um oh uh the one with the dog that was like zelda uh, the cell shaded um like white uh I don't know. it's like called okiro or something like that um i can't remember
0: i do see they are making a new teenage like a side-scrolling tmnt game which looks like a lot of fun Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Shredder's Revenge. Yeah, that's gonna be great. By Tribute Games, though, I don't know if that's.
1: Yeah, Okami was the game I was thinking of. Gotcha. Yeah, God Hand, Beautiful Joe, uh, one, two, and the DS one. I played all the. I played all of the Beautiful Joe games. Those games are so good. So, uh, so yeah, this has been the AT and WB podcast we have been talking matrix resurrections i have been your host chris Booker taylor i have been joined with the the matrix himself the matrix resurrections since you're back on this episode, i'm
0: resurrected
1: you're resurrected oh, finally yeah matt Vicari. yeah
0: that's it do you have anything else to say thanks as always for having me yeah. always a pleasure
1: you're welcome. Don't forget to uh to to give us stars or I don't whatever. That's all folks. Roar. This has been a full dinosaur production.